Welcome to Uncommon Real Estate, where it's all about finding creative solutions for real estate agents and investors. In exclusive mastermind conversations with some of the brightest minds in real estate, you'll learn how to earn an extra six figures a year. Don't follow the herd. Be uncommon. Here are your hosts, multi-millionaire real estate agent and investor, Chris Craddock and Jeff Safright. Hey, friends. Welcome to another episode of your Uncommon Lunchbox with your host, Chris Craddock, myself, Jeff Safright. Today, we are going to jump on, talk about some wholesaling, leveraging wholesaling, all the good stuff that comes from that. So Chris, why don't you uh, give us a little bit further of an intro and then let's jump into today. All right. Yeah. So um, the reality is most real estate agents don't even realize that there is a whole another world called wholesaling um, that real estate agents are doing. So our friend uh, Jeff and I are very good friends with a guy named Lars Hedenborg, right? Built a uh, multi-million dollar real estate business, um, just absolutely crushing it. Well, since we moved over to EXP, I've introduced them to a lot of my wholesaler friends um, just because that's a, a world where I'm pretty darn active. And the question he asked me, you know, just like he was just like, oh, my gosh, Chris, I had no idea that this was actually a thing. He's like, I had no idea this. He's like, I've been in real estate for a long time and I did not know that this world exists. And so I, um, you know, I've, I've introduced them to all these folks. And the crazy thing is. In the wholesaling world, they literally, you, you get, I mean, you get wholesalers that are brand new and, you know, make no money, maybe get a deal or two a month, but like spend way more money than they're actually bringing in. And then you've got wholesalers that are crushing it, multi-million dollar businesses, you know, doing 30, 50, even a hundred deals a month. Um, it's just like real estate, right? It's the same thing as, as like the agent business. Um, and it's the same thing there too, where you'll find like a wholesaler that does one or two deals a month or one or two deals a quarter that are making a ton of money. And you'll even find wholesalers that are doing 30 to 40 deals a month that are making no money, you know, just like the agent business, right? Like, and, and I'll tell you, just because you see somebody doing a lot of deals in the agent business doesn't mean they're making real money. I've got a good friend of mine that, Oh my gosh, I was talking to him the other day. Uh, but yeah, he his team does probably about 25, 30 deals a month. And literally he makes just over $100,000 a year. It's crazy. It is crazy how little money he makes, even though he's got a multi-million dollar team. And I'm just like, what are you doing, man? Get it together. Like, like either, either be a solo agent or like build a team that where you can actually make money because yeah, when the market turns, you know, you're going to be in trouble if, uh, if you did not make money. So anyway, all that said, that's the, the reality with these wholesalers. And, but, you know, Jeff and I have a partnership with uh, one of the biggest wholesalers in the country and um, it allows us to get a lot of listing leads there. So um, Jeff, can you just share like what, what is the deal? Like when you're going to leads that a wholesaler, like was literally going to throw away, what are, what is the conversation you're having with those folks um, when you're in the house with them? Well, I, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, first uh, just to step back to, to what you're saying, it's a phenomenal opportunity. And so if you can develop a relationship with the wholesalers and, you know, and as you said, you know, we have a relationship with one of the top, one of the best wholesalers in the country has been in the game for a long time. They got a phenomenal business, great systems processes, et cetera. Um, you know, I would say that, you know, developing relationships with any wholesaler is going to be a great idea and opportunity. 
if they're newer to the game, they may not be as as good at getting the deals as the wholesaler that we work with. So it may mean that you have more opportunity than we might even have. So, you know, don't think that just because we're working with a with one of the top wholesalers in the country that it that it means more business for us. It could potentially mean just as much or or, or more business for you working with someone getting in because they have all these junk leads that that they that they couldn't turn that you could potentially turn. Right. So you know, I always want to always caveat that because I know in the way my mind works, it's like, oh, well, they can do this because of that, et cetera. So the opportunities there, regardless of what type of wholesaler you're working with, an experienced one, a non-experienced one, you know, a top one, a bottom one, mid one, whatever, they, they all work. So, but when we get into these, you know, a lot of a lot of people come across wholesalers in a, in a way of, you know, cash offers or wanting to unload their properties you know, in, in the easy way, you know, some of them understand that if they're going to take a, a cash offer, they're going to have to take a hit. They're going to have to take a haircut as, as we like to say, but others of them don't necessarily understand it. They just wanted an easy way to get, um, you know, to get out of their property, to get into a new one. And so, you know, when I, when I'm meeting with them, they're, they're anywhere and they're, they're all between some know they're going to take a haircut, uh, but they just couldn't take that much of a haircut. So, so they're, they're very easy to talk with. Right. Others, you know, they they wanted to, you know, they're, they're they may be hoarders. Their house may be messy. They may have a lot of um, uh, deferred maintenance issues, different things. And so you got to talk through some of those issues with them. Others have a very nice, pristine house, and they just got to move quick. and And they they feel like a traditional real estate, you know, uh, transaction is going to be too uh, tedious of a process for them. And and in that situation, you can you know, you can assure them that, you know, the process, yes, it might take 30, 45 days. Um, but it, but if you have a good agent and a, and a well, and a, and a well-oiled machine behind you, that, that you can take care of that process for them. And, you know, so, so those are a lot of the different types of situations I'm getting into. I'm, I'm working with one right now that, uh, you know, she, you know, they, you know, she's military and her family's in Georgia. And so they wanted to, to, they just wanted cash to their property so they could get 20 grand to go do whatever. But the problem is, is, you know, a cash offer is going to be, you know, under what they owe on the property. So that's not going to work for them. And so, you know, I helped her come up. We just problem solve, you know, okay. So here's, here's the situation she's in. She wants to move. She wants to move quickly. Her family's moving back to Georgia. She needs 20,000. And so we just had to go through the steps of, of what would work for her and we'll be listing the property in the next two to three weeks. Uh, she didn't, you know, it wasn't a time crunch situation for her. It was just, a, I don't want to have to deal with all the stuff in my house and the situations that I got going on. And I just want 20,000 and then you can take everything else. Absolutely. So, so that's essentially the deal. They're like, these guys are getting deal after deal after deal. And it's interesting because a lot of the coaches I know just tell people to throw away the retail leads. It's not worth your time. It's not worth your time. And, uh, you know, as I've met a lot of these coaches and now a lot of them become like best buds um, with me, what I found is they're, they're shocked by the fact that there are ways that, that people can actually make a lot of money um, by using those leads as, you know, referrals, you know, even building relationships with agents that bring them deals, other stuff like that. Now, if you have, so one of the lessons that we always talk about on our team is there's two things that people want. If you're a seller, what do you want? 
Jeff, what what is what do all sellers want? Sellers want ease and they want money. Right. Really speaking. And like an average seller, they they want to know that that you've got a buyer, right? That you are the buyer or you have the buyer. Absolutely. And what does every buyer want? Every buyer property. wants some off-market property. Right. They, they want, want a deal. Them. Yep. <laughs> and they those are off market. You have it, right? And so if you're working with a buyer, right, you can be an Uber driver and just say, hey, this is what's on the market. Or even worse, man, this is going to sting for some of you agents that work with buyers. Even worse, you wait until they tell you, hey, I saw this on Zillow. Hey, I saw this on Redfin. Can we go look at it? If that's the way you handle your buyers, shame, shame, shame. Literally, you need to walk naked through the Game of Thrones thing while everybody throws things at you like uh what, like Cersei, right? Like that, that is what you need to do. And literally me and Jeff will throw whatever at you while you walk naked through the town. And we will all yell, shame, shame. Do not wait for them to call you, right? One, if you have a buyer, first thing you got to do is you put yourself on the same search that you have that buyer on. So that every time you see something every morning that gets emailed to the buyer, it comes to you as well. You call them, you text them, you say, hey, have you seen 123 Main Street? But then the second thing is like, I mean, Jeff, you, are, are you on any of these uh, uh, wholesaler lists? Do you see properties that come across your email every day? Yeah, yeah, I'm on, I'm on probably four or five different distribution lists. Okay. So, so you see those pretty much all the time and, you know, some of them are terrible, right? And they're like, Hey, we got a property. Other properties in the neighborhood are selling for 500. You can buy this for, you know, 350. And then you look and you're, you're like, yeah, other properties that are twice the size, you know? So just know that a lot of wholesalers, they're just, they're like, they work at the Verizon store and they, you know, are just sending out marketing and have no idea. They just look on Zillow and say, Hey, look, here's one that sold for 500. And they think that that's the deal. And they don't know how to run comps or anything else, but they're also always looking for distressed sellers. So it's possible to find something. So with that said, um, I just, I, it, it is important to build relationships with these folks. So I'll, I'll share one right now. There's, there's an agent on our team and she has a cash buyer. He's always looking for really good deals. And there's this deal in Woodbridge, which is about 45 minutes from where my house is. And uh, this wholesaler had it out there and I saw it and I was like, man, Ladon, this is a great deal. You should tell, you should tell your buyer about this. And so literally he was under contract within 24 hours, had the deal. They're going to close next week. And it was, it's a done deal. She's going to make a commission. She added on the commission to it. She negotiated the guy down a little bit and at a commission and then it's a done deal. Nobody knew about that except people on that wholesaler list. So those are the things that we've got to understand and, and work through. So I don't know, Jeff, do you have any other thoughts on um, ways that with buyers on those lists? Um, I, with buyers on that list, um, you know, I would, so early on and, you know, even when I'm busy, so I'll say some two ways and, and understanding that, you know, I'm, I'm <laughs> I'm almost tired of listening to real estate agents talk about where the market's at right now um, because it's just it's just giving me a headache. It's all noise. Just go out, do your job, right? Um, with that being said, a lot of things are slowing down for various agents. And so now is, a, now is an excellent time to start working with, especially with the wholesalers. My thoughts are more so on the wholesalers on what you said on the deals, right? So you get this comp and it's like, it, and it's just whack. It doesn't make any sense. 
to be honest, early on and when I'm super busy, I get discouraged in working with wholesalers in these situations because the comps are all off. But when I have more time and when I get to know wholesalers, and, and you do this a lot more than I do because you work directly with and you coach wholesalers and do different things. But uh, on my end, it's it's trying to help teach wholesalers how to do better comps and working with them on their comps because that's how you can negotiate them down on some of their prices that they got, some of the different things that they have, um, you know, that, that really kind of help us to to get better transactions, I guess you could say, to, to where it makes sense. Does it, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. No. You know, I, it's because you because you talk to a wholesaler and they and they get you this and you're like, man, this is not good. And so you can kind of walk through with them gently. Obviously, you don't want to just be like, man, you're 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 horrible at this. But but say, hey, here's where. How did you get to where you got to on this and where you can coach them to give you better comps and that helps the situation a little bit more. On the other side, when you're when you're helping a buyer. You know, the, the one thing that you've got to know your audience, right? Because some buyers, they want the turnkey property. And so a lot of the wholesale deals are not necessarily going to work for them. That's where you're, you are going to have to go on, on the market more often than not. Every time, every once in a while, you can find something. But if you can coach your buyer into understanding the value of an off-market deal that needs some, or if they already understand sweat equity, then those are ones that you can really... Uh, that you can really find some some real sweet deals for. Also, uh, investors, right? Investors are, are are kind of in the same on the same boat. Some you got you got your wholesale investor, and then or you have your wholesalers. I don't even really consider wholesaling an investment because that's that's work, right? You're you're doing a lot of trading time for dollars, but investors are always looking for deals. And if you can coach them into seeing the the off market wholesale deals as as a great opportunity, that's that's where your sweet spot really is, in my opinion. Absolutely, absolutely. So, and now here's the other question, Jeff. When people are um, when people have like a normal thirty year loan, can they buy a like like what do people do when they have a thirty year fixed loan and want to buy a wholesale property? Uh, well, well, let me ask you first. In this context, are we talking about trading their 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 primary for for a new primary? Or are we talking about buying an additional property? Well, I mean, I know that a lot of times um, you cannot uh, you can't finance the assignment fee for a wholesale right. deal, and so I mean, actually, why don't why don't we go why don't we back it up just a little bit here um, for those that aren't as familiar? I mean, Jeff, do you mind just sharing like wholesaling one hundred and one, like? Like what, it, what exactly is wholesaling? Just so that everybody is understanding. Yeah. So, you know, I'm going to go find a property. Uh, I'm looking for a seller that wants to sell their property. Um, and they, there's a, there's some sort of a need that a, that in a, that a wholesaler can help with, right? Sometimes it's a super time crutch. Other times it's, it's, as we said, deferred maintenance, whatever I'm going, we're going to set an agreed upon price for the home. Let's say the home is 300,000. Okay. So at the end of the day, when we sign everything, I'm going to pay closing costs. I'm going to pay the seller's closing costs. I'm going to pay my closing costs. I'm going to pay for my quote unquote commission, right? So they're going to walk away with $300,000. Everything else is going to be above that. So, you know, let's say closing costs for us in, in this area, you got generally about two, we'll, we'll say 3%. It's typically more like 2.7, somewhere in there. But let's just say for fun's sake, 3%. 1% for the seller, 
3% on my side on the buy, 1% for them. So that's $12,000 that you know that you got to pay on top of that. That makes it three twelve. Any commission that you make on top of that, that's going to be your assignment fee. So let's say that we find an end buyer. The end buyer is going to buy the property for $330,000. So the assignment fee is going to be that $18,000 assignment fee. Now, as you're saying, and, and take over if you want to, but a traditional lender is not going to know how to include that assignment fee in their underwriting, right? I, I think it's I think that the, the hiccup is in the underwriting. You can find lenders out there that are that are that know how to do that, but they're few and they're far between. Um, and it's more so it's not that they don't they can't figure out how to do it, but they're just uncomfortable doing it, right? Um, so then, what do we got to do? Am I answering that or are you answering that? Either way, I mean, I mean, I'll, I'll just share like the technical side of it is it has to the if if the wholesaler can put the assignment fee on the seller side on the on the seller side of the Ulta, then it's done. But the seller has to agree to it. So as long right. as the seller agrees to putting that on the seller side of the Ulta, then yeah, there's no problem whatsoever because then they just put it in. It's done, but a lending company will not finance. If it's 15 grand, they will not finance that $15,000 assignment fee. They just won't do it on the buy side. On the but buy side. Side, they will. Yeah. So why, um, do you want to share why? I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's cause they're saying that it's, it's uh, over, you know, pumping up the property. It's, it's the same thing as if uh, I were to, so let's say I were buying Jeff's house, right? Let's say Jeff's house needed $15,000 worth of renovation. My my company without a specialty loan product is not going to finance that fifteen thousand dollars worth of renovation. But if I worked out something in the in the contract where uh, I buy it for a certain price, but part of what Jeff is willing to do on his side of the Alta is pay fifteen thousand dollars to a contractor of the buyer's choice to do whatever the buyer wants, then then it can be done, right? But it has to be on the seller side. It can't be on the buyer side. Right. And so the only, the, 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 and correct me if I'm wrong, but to my understanding, the only negative, the only downside for it being on the seller side is the potential for capital gains tax. Yes. And that's only going to, that's only going to be an issue if there, there, there could be two issues. Number one, if it's short-term, short-term capital gains, which means that they haven't lived in that home for two of the last five years, generally speaking. The second thing is if they've made more than, if it's long-term, then it's if they've made over $250,000 on it single or $500,000 on it married uh, and filing jointly. Uh, those are the, those are really the only downsides that to my understanding on the seller side, is there anything else that I'm not aware of? Yeah. I mean, that's it. But also, I mean, you got to remember if you have a good CPA, so this is something that a lot of sellers get upset about. Now, the one thing that is true is like with a higher sales price or whatever, you like, you know, however the recording is done in your city and town, you could pay a higher taxes on that. But at the end of the day, if you have a, a $100,000 payout from the house, but 15,000 of it is being paid off the Ulta to someone, then that's not like, that's not real money that you are receiving. You're able to have that taken. There's, there's ways to do that. Obviously talk to your CPA so that they take it out. Just like, 
uh, just like if you take a deduction on your taxes, right? Like if you're taking money out of that, you know, that that's one of the things that we learned uh, when we were doing a lot of short sales. We had a CPA that, that worked with us because most, for a long time, the banks were just uh, uh, wiping away, like let's say somebody bought a house for, they had a $300,000 mortgage, it sold for $200,000. Um, for a while, they were charging the 100000 as taxable income to the seller. But then they realized this doesn't work. So they just started wiping it off. So the seller didn't have that charge to them. But during that time, we were trying to figure out, well, how do we solve this problem? And so we brought in a CPA and the CPA told us, they're like, how much money have you spent on this house? Okay, you've spent uh, X dollars on this, 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 and this. All of that stuff can go towards the $100,000 deficiency. And usually there wasn't a 100,000 deficiency. It was like 20 or 30 or 40,000. And you could find HVACs and roofs and you know just other things that you put into the house to wipe that off. So anyway, same thing there when, when you wholesale a house, if you have that uh, taken off, you know, you get your CPA to help you so that you're not paying taxes on something you didn't actually receive. Anyway, right. long, long way to get to the answer to that story. <laughs> yeah, ho hopefully that was clear. <laughs> oh, man. Sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, no, no issues. So yeah, so, you know, it, it does have to be on that side. But so what are some alternative ways that that they could do this? Is Are we out of luck if we can't find a lender that will uh, help us do the 30 year fixed rate? Yeah. So, I, I mean, I would just say this, feel free to send us a message at Crad Rock on Instagram. I can connect you to a lender that we work with all 50. He works in all 50 states. Um, he will work with you to be able to help your buyers buy on the uh, um, buy with the, the assignment fee in, you know, putting it on the on the seller side. So that's one of the easiest ways to do it. Um, you can also use cash, hard money, retire, retirement funds. Um, I would be very careful about uh, just getting any random Joe that's never done this before as a lender on that deal. Um, just because, yeah, you sometimes you just have hoops that you need to jump through and you need to do it right because you don't want to get to the finish line and then be like, oh, yeah, we can't buy the house anymore. <laughs> right. And you got to understand that the seller typically is doing this because there's some sort of a time crunch or there's some sort of a pain point where they want this done fairly soon. So if, if you go and you get close to closing and they're like, hey, I got to extend out, you know, another three or four weeks, it's that's not generally speaking, it's not going to work on it on an assignment deal. Good. Uh, anything else we want to jump into on that or? No, I mean, I just want everybody to see like working with wholesalers is actually, I think that's the future of real estate is the agent and investor coming together. Those are the, I mean, that's what I teach. That's what I coach. That's what like I spend most of my time kind of bringing those two worlds together. So yeah, if you guys can understand that and really start working that, that's when your life is going to get so much better and you're going to make a lot more money. Let me ask this question, Chris, because I, I think especially when I first started hearing about this, what I couldn't really wrap my mind around is why not do both? Why not be the why not be the wholesaler and the and the agent? Yeah, I mean, one of the hardest things about being the wholesaler and the agent, imagine going into somebody and say, hey, I'll buy your house for cash at two hundred thousand and they they like you and everything. But they're, they're like, no, that's just way too low. And then if you say, well, I could list it for three hundred like even if they like you, there's going to be a disconnect. And I'll tell you, I cannot tell you how many times, actually, I, I, I can tell you, there have been so many times where sellers, they're like, you know, we call them after the fact, you know, when, when they've set us up 
Um, they call, we call them and they're like, oh, I can't believe that. They tried to rob me. They tried everything. And, and the person that was in front of them was like, oh, we had the greatest report ever. We we're like, they really liked us. Everything else, the numbers were just off. And then you call the seller and they're like, they tried to rob me. They tried to steal my house from me. And you're like, man, like in front of you, they're never going to like, they're never going to be like, you're a crook. You're the worst, you know, but after the fact they will. So that's why it's really important to have the one, two punch. Hey, look, we can do this or there's the other option. And then you, uh, you send it to somebody else because you don't want them to really feel like, Hey, you're trying to take advantage of me. Absolutely. And I, I would, I'll add to that. And then I, then I got, you know, the other reason I would say is because they're two jobs. You don't want two full-time jobs. Um, you know, the, you know, it takes a lot to find, to, to, to get the wholesale leads. It also takes a lot to, to, to get leads to list as, as an agent as well. But one of the things, especially, so if you find yourself in that situation where you got a lead passed on to you from a wholesaler and, you know, the wholesaler thought they had great rapport built and then the, you know, the, then the homeowner is, has nothing positive to say about them. Generally speaking, what I do is just kind of sit back and help them understand the process of wholesaling and why they have to, why they're offering the price that they're offering not in a way that defends a wholesaler, but to just kind of educate the seller as to what, what the situation there is. And then I'll, I'll typically end with like, you know, Hey, that works for a, that's a, it's a phenomenal situation for a limited few homeowners, but obviously this isn't your situation. And so this is why it's best that we look towards listing, but we can still limit the pain or limit the, the time that it takes on your part in getting your house sold. Right. So it's kind of an ability to, to, to educate the seller. So, you know, I, I know that when I first stepped in that situation, I, I had a small level of angst. I don't get too like my anxiety doesn't rise too much. Actually, the more pressure you put on me, like the more like clear my mind gets. It's it's really fun. But, you know, the first time I was like, oh, man. And, and then, like I said, just give them a little bit of education to help them understand why that offer was that way, because. Because at some point you're 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 a little bit of a partner with that person, right? It's the one-two punch, right? So if they if they don't have trust developed with the wholesaler, and then you come in, they're, they they may not have trust with you. But so if you can do a an educational piece that doesn't defend the wholesaler, but but kind of brings uh, awareness to why the situation is the way it is, it gives them enough peace uh, of mind to to, to go with you. And, and then you seem like so much more of the expert because not only do you know your job, you know, their job as well. Right. Right. So that's, that's awesome. And that's a good word. Hopefully everybody gets that and really can understand that and take that to heart. So very cool. Well, Jeff, I know we're at the top of the hour. You want to take us home? Yes, sir. Hey, if, uh, if wherever you're listening to the podcast, uh, whether it be, you know, Spotify, uh, iTunes, wherever it is, you know, where you're at. If you could give us an honest uh, review, give us some feedback, what you thought of the show, topics that you'd like covered, people that you'd like us to get on, uh, just any general feedback you can give us, we'd surely appreciate that. Like Chris said, you can follow him at, at CradRock, uh, that's 2Ds Rock, and uh, myself at Jeff Safright, that would be fantastic. Uh, hey, until then, we'll be back on this Thursday, same time, same place. If you'd like to jump on live with us, we'd always love to have you there. Uh, jump on the list. But until then, continue crushing it. Have a great week. We'll talk soon. Bye.
Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Uncommon Real Estate. Subscribe to the podcast to stay up to date with the latest mastermind conversations from Chris, Jeff, and other uncommon real estate industry leaders. If you love this podcast, please write us a review. And to fast track your real estate career, go to chriscraddock.com. 